You're listening to... No, that's not real. You're listening to The Heidi Rue Show. Yeah, that's better. Inspiring. Entertaining. Real. The Heidi Rue Show. I'm so excited to have my guest here today. It's Suzanne Vazethan. Yes, you said it. I was making sure that I said her name, um, right, last name correctly. She's a chef. She's a founder and owner of Buttermilk Kitchen, which is a breakfast brunch restaurant in Buckhead um, of Atlanta. And I, well, let me let me keep going into Suzanne, and then I'll share a little bit about why I'm so excited to have her on today. So after working in like fine dining restaurants around the city, Suzanne opened the Hungry Peach, which was a cafe and a catering concept in about 2009. Mm-hmm. But then that later led to the opening of Buttermilk Kitchen in 2012. A little bit about Buttermilk Kitchen restaurant. They make 90% of everything from scratch. Yeah, that's butter. Even the wafers in the banana pudding, which I was like blown away. And on top of all that, Suzanne's a Food Network chopped champion. Yes. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? She's been a contestant on Guy's Grocery Games featured on the Today Show, The Chew, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And I'm so excited to have her on because I have this like list in my phone of places around Atlanta that I want to go eat at. And I had found out about the Buttermilk Kitchen a while ago. And so it had been on the top of my list, Suzanne, for like forever. And I finally went there. It's now it's been like, I guess, a couple years since I've been. But anyways, it was so amazing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to take everyone. So we're going to take my in-laws there um, in a couple weeks when they're coming to visit. So Great. Well, thank you for the support. Yes. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about growing up and where did that love of cooking start? I I don't know if I can pinpoint it exactly, but I think it's just been instilled in me at a very young age. My whole family cooked. Um, We had a a German lady that helped kind of raise my sister and I, and she taught me how to make my first omelet. I mean, I remember being, you know, seven, eight years old and just watching her cook. And so I just think it's always been a part of me. Um, My dad's side of the family is Italian, so we always grew up with just, you know, the smell of fresh basil mm. and garlic. And But we also had Southern. We grew up in the South, so we also had fried chicken. And it was just kind of an interesting mix of, yeah. of different recipes and food. But I think if I pinpointed it, if I could pinpoint it, it would be in college where mm. I just became obsessed with the Food Network. I would watch <laughs> it every day. And this sounds so, like, corny, but I would watch Rachel Ray – 30-minute meals. Yeah. Do you remember that oh, show? Oh, of course I remember it. Yes. And I I want to say, like, this makes me – I feel like this is so long ago. I guess it was. But the Food Network started to get really popular. Mm-hmm. And I would watch that show and write everything down. I had, like, all these notebooks. And yeah. I would write everything down. I'd go to the store and try to create the exact same meal that I saw. Wow. And I guess over time, I was just like, I – I love this. And at that time, you're in college, but you weren't pursuing like the culinary uh, field or anything no, like that. You know, randomly, I was a hospitality major, and I okay. I think it was because I thought it'd be easy. <laughs> um, you know, my biggest concern was like going to football games on the weekend and right. where we were all going to go out. You know, it wasn't yeah. unfortunately really thinking about academics uh-huh. and where I was going in the future. But it all just again, I think the best things happen organically. And you just have to let life happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I always served mm-hmm. at restaurants and just loved 
hospitality. Yeah. So. So what gave you the courage to then pursue it as a career after? Because after college is where you're like, okay, you know what? I, I really do want to pursue this as my career. Yeah, I think it was just. I'm a very passionate person and I need a creative outlet. I've always been that way since I was little. And it was just the one thing I was just really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And it would just consume me. I was obsessed with it. So Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be my career choice. Yeah. It was, it was something that I was just very certain about. And I was very fortunate because I felt that when I graduated college, none of my friends knew what they wanted to do. Yeah. And I just knew. I said, this is my path. I'm going to culinary school. I'm moving home. I'm going to work in restaurants. Yeah. I just I had this plan. Mm-hmm. And so I was very fortunate that I had that roadmap right. figured out, I guess. Did everyone want to be your roommate in college? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most college experiences, it's like ramen noodles, yeah. you know, oatmeal. <laughs> um, but if you're rooming with Suzanne. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, it was, and it probably wasn't until my senior year where, mm. where I really discovered I cooked, but we lived in a house with a bunch of girls and um, we were always cooking, just mm. whether it be you know, a cookout or a tailgate or anything. It was that was really big in college anyway. But I think friends wanted to be my roommate later on. Yeah. Like after when I was in culinary school uh-huh. and working in restaurants, then uh-huh. that's when they would get excited. Like, we'll be your taste testers. Yes. Sure. I, I got. A, I had a lot of volunteers. <laughs> oh, though. I bet. I so bet it was good. So then, after you went to a culinary school, I did here yes. in Atlanta. Right. Art Institute of Atlanta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then after that, was it right after you got out that you opened the Hungry Peach, or was it a little bit between that time? It was a little. So I graduated from culinary school in about 2006. Okay. I got out very quickly. I was fortunate since I was a hospitality major. A lot of my hours, like the academic side, transferred over. So I was really just doing the um, the kitchen side of culinary school, which was great because that yeah. was the part that I wanted to do anyway. Um, and then I opened the Hungry Peach in 2009. So mm-hmm. there was about that three years where yeah. I was preparing. Yeah. And you opened it with your best friend. I did, yes. Um, it, which is amazing in and of itself. Um, but you guys had about $5,000 between you two, right, mm-hmm. when you opened it up. And since I, I know that you had said since it was at ADAC, which is Atlanta's Decorative Arts Center, in case you don't know, <laughs> it's like a big place for design. Um but I you, call it Ikea on crack. I love that. That is great. the best way to describe it to me. But. That's awesome. Yes, I love that. Great uh, great description. But you had some steady customers every week, which was good. But the first few years had to have been tough, right? Oh, yes. I mean, we could probably start a whole new podcast yeah. just on that. Um, very tough. It was, you know, number one, it was really tough to have a partner. Hmm. I wasn't prepared for that. I mean, it's... A miracle we are still best friends to this day and it's very tough to have a 50 50 partner and make all your decisions together and um you know we were both kind of hard-headed and thought we wanted certain things and it was so that was difficult in its own yeah. but I think the most difficult part is we were both you know extremely young or 26 mm. and just the, that uncertainty of I think of not knowing what you're doing but also just that uncertainty in yourself personally yeah. is, you know, it's very hard for most 26-year-olds to have 
everything figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't have everything figured out. I'm 36. Were the hours crazy? I mean, if it was just you two, right? It just started as you two. Well, the nice thing at ADAC is that we were not open on the weekends. Gotcha. However, to make ends meet, since we were in that captive audience, at ADAC wasn't open to the public at that time, so you couldn't survive on just the cafe sales alone. You know, our hours were, I think, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. or something okay. Monday through Friday. Yeah. So, you know, if you do the math on that, we weren't we weren't turning a profit. Right. So we had to rely on catering, and we did a lot of private events and corporate catering, and so that would require us to work wow. on Saturdays and Sundays. I mean, we worked all the time. Yeah. It was probably, you know, easily 80, 90-hour weeks. Wow. So. Yeah, that is a lot. It was crazy. That's a lot. Oh, and yeah. I just think about everything that you probably were having to discover with all of that, like how much food to order, how to estimate all of that, how to, oh man, yeah. It was it was rough. Also being young and having sort of that ego and that, oh, I've been to culinary school and I've worked in some great restaurants. I know what I'm doing was, you know, part of the, I don't want to say failure because we have obviously got through it, but you think you have it all figured out, yeah. and then reality kicks in, sure. and you're just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. What was something that you did learn through the Hungry Peach that actually helped you succeed with Buttermilk Kitchen? You know, ironically, what the hardest part of the Hungry Peach was, I think, led into the success of Buttermilk Kitchen because mm. it taught me that determination, that if you decide to yourself or you say to yourself, I will stop at nothing, I'm going to do this. That that will and that fight, mm-hmm. that is what what the hungry peach taught me, mm-hmm. and I think that's the only reason that buttermilk is still is still yeah. here today because yeah. I made all the same mistakes. <laughs> it was way harder than opening the hungry peach. Buttermilk was, and um, but it just taught me like to be yeah. a, a warrior. You know, right. you just have to say I'm not going to give up and just do it and push through. Builds so. that resilience because yes. you know, okay, I probably will survive. It's going to be really rough, but yep. I'll survive through all of this. And somehow I did. So. Yeah. So Food Network, they chose you to compete on Chopped. Yes. Okay. When you got that call or the email or whatever that you were chosen, like what went through your mind and what did you do to prepare for that? Well, it was crazy. I mean, it's a very big um, – it's not like they just get you the call or they call you and then uh-huh. all of a sudden you're on the show. It's a huge process and tons of interviews and you have to submit videos and you have to basically apply for the show because yeah. nobody knew my name at this point. And um, I was just, you know, a little 26-year-old yeah. with a small cafe. So I really had to prove myself to them, which took months. And after, a, you know, rounds of interviews, they called me. I'll never forget. I was at the beach with my family, and they said, you're going to be on the show in two weeks or something crazy like that. And I felt like I was going to pass out. My friends and I just prepared. They would, like, put baskets together. Have you seen the show? Oh, so, yeah. You know, of course like a, I do. Yeah, a mystery yeah. basket. Uh-huh. So they would prepare those ingredients for me, and uh-huh. I would practice and Obviously, I watched the show religi- religiously. I cannot watch that show now <laughs> because ever again. Because you watched it so much. <laughs> it's just, it is completely tarnished in my mind. I right. cannot watch it because um, I watched it so much. Uh, but, and then read cookbooks and just studied in every yeah. way that I knew how. Right. Um, but yeah, it was insane. It was, again, one of those things where, especially when you're so young, it's just that level of uncertainty and fear mm-hmm. and I almost didn't do it mm-hmm. just because I was, yeah, I was definitely scared. Sure, sure. Completely takes you out of your comfort zone. 
but obviously something I am very thankful for. Mm-hmm. And people still talk about it to this day. And right. I filmed it 10 years ago. Yeah. So what was it like um, being on the show? I mean, it seems so stressful, especially I know that one of your shining moments actually happened around ice cream. But like <laughs> that stress every time when somebody makes ice cream on Chopped, I get anxious in my very being. You <laughs> should. <laughs> you should. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. If anybody listening ever goes on Chopped, don't use the ice cream machine. I feel like they just comp- – they may purposely s- mm-hmm. do something to it. I don't know. It was crazy. It was a crazy experience. The biggest thing is mm-hmm. just getting over your nerves mm. because obviously everything that they do is a nervous atmosphere or right. presents a nervous atmosphere. Sure. You know, they pick you up at like 4.30 in the morning, so you've had no sleep. You meet, you know, three other contestants you've never met before. There's camera people everywhere. It's insane. Yeah. So. And do they they film like one whole episode in one day? Is oh, that yeah. Right? It or? took, I think we filmed her about 10 hours. Wow. So basically what they do is when, if you've seen the show, when they're interviewing the chefs, like when we're walking you through mm-hmm. what happened, that happens after you film. You film in about three sections. Okay. And then you stop hurry up and wait type right, of thing. Right, so right, right. It was very grueling. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I remember one time thinking in college, I was like, oh, I want to have my own cooking show. And reading an article that it was one of the, the famous chefs, I think it was like Bobby Flay or something, uh-huh. that a traditional shoot day is about 14 hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no way. <laughs> to, to film 30 minutes, right. there's no way. But yeah. so, yeah, it's very... Um, mm-hmm a lot that goes into it. It is, yeah. Yeah. I heard too, or I read somewhere that being the CHOP champion, that really gave you a lot of confidence. Yes. Which is, I mean, it must. I mean, you're 26 years old, and then to be this CHOP champion, that must have validated everything that you knew inside of you of what you're capable of. And that kind of led you to go, okay, I want to open up the Buttermilk Kitchen. Mm -hmm. Do you think that if you hadn't done CHOPped, do you think that you still would have opened up Buttermilk Kitchen? I think that's hard to answer, but I know I wouldn't have opened it as quickly as I did. Okay. I think it it did give me that. Well, it did give me confidence Mm -hmm. to continue, and I probably would have dragged my feet Mm -hmm. more if I hadn't had that boost. Yeah. And Buttermilk Kitchen, I know you said that there are some similarities between the Hungry Peach as far as, like, mistakes that you made. But it's a whole other other thing because instead of having the, you know, 8 to 2 or whatever, the time was um, you're open. We're open six days a week. So we close on Mondays, and we're definitely open Saturdays and Sundays. So Mm -hmm. that's our busiest day. We do brunch. So I went from, you know, just to put it in perspective, at the Hungry Peach, our busiest day, we might do 60 people. Yeah. Our busiest day at Buttermilk Kitchen, which is Sunday, we do close to 600 people. Wow. So we are turning the restaurant, which means that you flip every table in the restaurant. We do that about nine times. Oh, my goodness. From eight to three. So it is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. You kind of feel like you've run a marathon mm-hmm. after after a day of service. Sure. Hence the reason we are closed on Mondays. Right. <laughs> Everybody takes <laughs> a break. take a little break. Yes. So what gave you that inspiration for Buttermilk Kitchen and what you guys are serving and and the decor? It's very, like, it's just very homey and makes it, you well, feel really you. comfortable when you walk in there. But Well, number one, I love breakfast. I'm mm-hmm. a breakfast person. I like to be up early. I love breakfast for dinner. I love breakfast all times of the day. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to continue on and doing the in the breakfast, lunch, brunch realm. We started again, it was kind of sometimes the space chooses you mm-hmm. and 
I learned also, I'm still learning this, you can't always have a plan for everything because things go off that course and, you know, you you might get certain things thrown your way you weren't planning for. So when we took over the building, it was a house that was, it wasn't a house when we took it over. It's always been converted into restaurants, but it was built in the 40s. And as you can imagine, (laughs) it had a lot of old house problems, but also had a lot of charm. So there were things that we uncovered as we were doing um, the construction, mm-hmm. we found um, the original, some of the original windows, and wow. we found a old milk crate buried underneath the ground. So that was kind of like, That's oh my so God, cool. it has to be buttermilk kitchen. Yeah. And so all these little things, like we found some of the original hardwood floors mm-hmm. under other two layers of floor and that sort of, we called it upcycling. So that sort of led mm-hmm. into the design and I knew I wanted to kind of upcycle those things mm-hmm. that were originally there and, and keep the, the bones of sure. the building. So sure. that lended to the design of it. Yeah. So everyone always says that having a restaurant is like one of the hardest things that anybody can ever do. <sighs> I mean, do you agree with that? And if so, what what is something that you've learned along the way that you think would make it easier for someone that was opening up a restaurant? Well, it is, well, just don't. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I I would I'm saying that in my head, but I probably won't say that right now. But um, it absolutely is is one of the hardest industries out there. I think the main reason for that though is a lot of wrong people. A lot of wrong people get into the restaurant industry, and there's this facade. And you know we can probably attribute and thank the Food Network for that, where the chef is kind of the rock star now and it's so fun and, you know, it's like that bustle and hustle yeah. of the industry and, uh-huh. it, and that is fun. But there's also so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't understand. And so I think a lot of people are like, oh, it'll be fun. And I always tell those people to run because yeah. you have to literally pour your soul into it. You have to be mm. very passionate about it. And it's one of those things that people read into that. I think customers can see your heart and your passion. Yeah. And that's what's solely what runs restaurants mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Do you still cook when you go home or is it kind of like, you know how like, I know personal trainers have said like, it's really hard to like motivate myself to actually work out mm-hmm. afterwards after I've spent the whole day doing that. I run into that sometimes. I still, sometimes I get burned out from it. I come home and I, I just want to heat something up. But I would say probably 50% of the time, I want to work on a new recipe. Mm. It depends. It depends on the day, the week, yeah. how busy we are at work. If mm-hmm. I've had a really grueling day, then, then yeah, I'm burned out from it. Yeah, yeah. So, so another part of, like, the restaurant industry and, and owning a restaurant that I know that you really enjoy is making food beautiful, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I love because that's – I know if you ask my mom or sisters or whatever, I was the one that like, hold on, before we take it to the table, let me like, you know, garnish it with some stuff. Let's make it look pretty. But you recently went to Italy and you were there with my friend. And she also did um, a Heidi Ruscio podcast before Annette Joseph. She's wonderful. And you learned a little bit about food styling. So tell me a little bit about that experience and what led you to even go to Italy. We eat with our eyes first which, you know, people tend to forget sometimes. And I recently discovered this passion for for design and food styling and 
met Annette, she was giving a demonstration at the Mart downtown and started talking about this fortress she has in Italy and Mm -hmm. how she does these inspirational workshops. And I mean, she probably got like one sentence in and I I was like raising my hand, like, how do I get there? How do I go? (laughs) So it started there and we just planned the trip and it was absolutely amazing. It was just a great reset Mm -hmm. that I needed. And everything you haven't been have you I haven't been to Italy yet okay I'm hoping we go maybe in the spring or summer Italy as a country is incredible but you know you get to Annette's place and to kind of paint the scene for you it's way out in the country up in the mountains and you know you wake up every morning and there's a persimmon tree outside and you forage everything from the garden and she would make fresh like flower arrangements every night with Everything that was there, the vineyard. So we would have wine from the vineyard. And oh my gosh, it was it's like a dream. It really sucked. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. Was, it was awful. <laughs> but it was just you know for somebody who just appreciates. Actually, my mom said it perfectly. We were I was showing her pictures of my trip, and she was like, "It's amazing to think how much beauty there is in the world." Mm. I think that's another thing we tend to forget day to day when we're busy and we're caught up in our lives and you know trying to get places so quickly is just if you just stop and take a look around just how beautiful everything can be and that's just how it was everything was just beautiful it was amazing you have to go yeah speaking of beauty because I love this season um, we're in the midst of the holiday season in light of that what are some of your favorite dishes to make around this time uh, we were always a very big Thanksgiving family, and my probably my favorite dish was the sweet potato casserole. Oh, my gosh, yeah. With the marshmallows on top. Okay. And I would love – my mom would always make it. I thought it was so cool how she would um, – Broil the yeah. the mushroom or the mushrooms. <laughs> we did not put mushrooms in ours. Wow, that is a totally different the, sweet potato casserole. <laughs> the marshmallows. Um, it does start with an M. Yeah. But I always was very fascinated with that. So I do, I like to do a spin on the dish where I take baby sweet potatoes and I parboil them. Mm. And then once they've cooled down, smash them and fry them and top them with crispy sage. And then I do more like a marshmallow cream on top instead of the, you know, that those store-bought marshmallows. And then another thing that's always kind of a staple at the Thanksgiving table is my, I had an Italian grandmother. Uh And she had an Italian sausage stuffing recipe. So we make that every year. And we don't touch that. That's Right. That's hers. The way it's written. Mm -hmm. That's the way you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if I have a favorite for Christmas. I just love Christmas. I get way into it. I always do different like desserts and Mm -hmm. candies and all sorts of things. Prime rib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about what about for breakfast around Christmas? Do you guys have – yeah, since you love breakfast, is there like a tradition that you have where you have a certain breakfast or anything? I wish there was, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there is one. Um, we love like poached eggs, uh-huh. poached eggs and toast mm-hmm. or French toast. Yeah. I love – I love French toast. Or maybe like a good French toast casserole using like the leftover bread because mm-hmm. we always have bread at Christmas sure. dinner. sure. sure. But, yeah, I don't know if there's a specific staple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up, we used to have orange Danish, but it wasn't like – Yeah. It wasn't like homemade orange Danish. That's okay. You know, I'm the oldest of four, so it was, you know, from the can. But it's still – that was the (laughs) only time that I've ever had orange Danish is right around Christmas. A lot of times we'll eat, like, the chocolate cake from the night Mm, before, too. Which is totally fine on Christmas. Yeah. You can eat – that's, like, the time you can just eat everything. Yes. Yes. Um, I like to heat it up a little bit mm-hmm. and um, 
or carrot cake is my, oh my gosh that's I like love my guilty pleasure is yes. carrot cake yes and I mean you've got the carrots in there so yep. you get your vegetables sure in the, kind in of. the morning yeah <laughs> that's one way to to say it I guess yeah sure <laughs> well we'll go with that yeah we'll go that sounds good so what has been a motto that you feel like you've kind of applied to your life or you can look back and say yeah I probably a phrase I say every day is Rome wasn't built in a day but when it was done, it was beautiful. And that just reminds me that you had to have patience, even if you want to quickly make things happen right away. Like we're constantly trying to improve service and the food and the menu. But sometimes you have to kind of take a step back and then realize, okay, well, the staff needs to be trained on it and the cooks need to learn the dish and there has to be a recipe. And there's all these things that kind of have to fall into place to yeah. make things. So where in my mind, I want something to happen in a week. But realistically, it might not. It might need a month or two for it to happen. So yeah, that's a phrase that that I like to tell my staff. Yeah, that's a they really hear good me say reminder. it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great so. reminder. So, what's on the horizons for you going forward? I mean, is it like another buttermilk kitchen location, or I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I like to tell everybody that when they ask me if I'm going to open more than one, I also I always say no because there's only one of me. Yeah. I don't know. There might be a spinoff of it, something maybe more to go centered mm-hmm. or focused. Um, I'm also working on a cookbook right now. Oh, awesome! Um, that's something that hopefully yeah. we can look forward to. Is the cookbook going to be mainly like breakfast type foods, or yeah, it'll be more okay. of a buttermilk kitchen cookbook. Okay, so things that you can find at the restaurant, mm-hmm. and then also things that you could find maybe more on like a special menu. Mm-hmm. That, um, but yes, definitely breakfast focused. Okay. Are you going to take all the pictures for your cookbook um, now that you did the food styling? I, I want to take some of them, yeah. but I know that I really want to work with Angie Mosier, mm-hmm. who is a very talented um, food stylist mm-hmm. and photographer in Atlanta. So I know she'll be she'll be my first choice. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I want to be very involved yeah. with the styling and the design of mm-hmm. it. Well, I'm so excited. So how can people follow along with you and Buttermilk Kitchen and, you know, so that way we can know when that cookbook's yes. coming out. <laughs> yeah, you can see teasers. If you follow okay. my Instagram, um, I'm Suzanne S. Vizethan. Mm-hmm. And, um, or you can follow Buttermilk Kitchen's Instagram, which is at Buttermilk Kitch. Or you can follow both of us. Yeah. We also will update on Facebook as well. Okay. And listen, if you're in the Atlanta area, please, please do yourself a favor and go there and have a a delicious meal. I will say get there early, you know, because you may have to wait because it is so popular. And we don't take Um, reservations. Yes. So, But it is so worth it. And um, and even if you're not in Atlanta, next time you're here in town, make sure you stop by Buttermilk Kitchen. So you won't regret it, I promise. Suzanne, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It It was fun. As a Georgia peach, she loves pleasing people, so she wants to know how she can improve the show. So let her know either on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Heidi Rue. Also be kind, because she's my wife. And if she has a bad day, then I'm really going to hear about it. 